Hello, hello, and welcome to the ninth episode of the History and Music Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Gifford, and I'm joined by the one and only Sean Oldborn. What up, what up? Yeah, how's it going, Sean? Doing good, man. My teeth are still broken, but we're still uh, snapping snapping necks and cashing checks. (laughs) Nice. You are, uh, I I gotta say, it gives you a rugged handsomeness, so. I appreciate that. My wife thinks I look white trash. Like well, a that also, or her words. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost to uh, double digit episodes. This is episode nine. Kind of crazy. Hater said we couldn't do it. I hope we make it. I hope we don't break up over like a Blink-182 song or hey. something like we talked about before. Because <laughs> you don't like their new single and I kind of liked it. <laughs> I, I really like the new single. Okay, yeah. And, and we're... Uh, else in my camp. I guess to, to rub it in their face, in the haters' faces even more, we are joined by uh, the one and only Beta Punk, or commonly known on Twitter as Latter Day Punk. How's it going? It is. It is going great here, boys. Good to be here. You're you're oh, a blink yeah. enjoyer, huh? Yeah. Um. Uh, especially the classics, like their, uh, you know, their old EPs, um, and M and M's, and you know. Carousel, all, all, all those great stuff. The Josie saga, Tom, yeah. Mark, and Travis show. I, I can go on. Oh, yeah. I, I see. I see you're a man of culture. Absolutely. <laughs> Classically trained. <laughs> yep. Carousel was probably the first Blink song I learned to play on the guitar. Just oh, a, bro. Such a good song. That's awesome. That is sweet. But we're glad we're glad you we're glad you could make it, man. I know this episode's been a little bit of a long time coming, but I'm glad you're able to get some time off work to uh, to do this episode with us. So we're we're, we're glad to have you, man. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. So Beta Punk, we'll just call you. I'll call you Beta for short, um, as long as you're cool with that. Um, I'm cool. Just just to get things started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a. Uh... I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I I grew up on, you know, rock music, metal music, techno. Uh, I uh, grew up learning art uh, from my father. And uh, I, I'm originally from American Fork, Utah, believe it or not. <laughs> nice. Um, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, um, I I ended up starting uh, Beta Punk through uh, you know you guys probably both know Cola or Cola Bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. W- one day I was bored and I was on YouTube and I was like, you know, there's a wave or a core for like everything. There's Jeb Core, Trump Core, all that stuff. I was like, well, let's see if Mormon Wave exists or something like that. And I typed it and I I ended up finding Cola Bite in his uh in his collab uh his rendition of it and it blew my mind sky high so i got in contact with him and you know we became friends over the years and uh we did a couple of uh, tracks together um and uh and then you know he introduced me to this world of twitter that uh i i started to realize oh there's a there's a lot of other bros out here that uh 
that are a little bit more um peculiar than are your normal peter priestities you know what i mean yeah and uh you know that's kind of where it went you know i i created latter-day punk because i started making a lot of artwork that's lds related but more of kind of a like a goth thing or a punk thing and people like my t-shirts and uh so i thought you know let's you know i'll start a company called latter-day punk uh me and the wife both came up with it because she's like well what about latter-day goth and I'm like, no, that's too meh. She's like, what? And I was like, what about Latter Day Punk? And she's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it's a and, great name. It's yeah. a good name. Thank you. Yeah. Well, when you say goth, it kind of conjures a certain image, but punk kind of can cover goth, you know. So it's, exactly. it's more all encompassing. So I, I like that, man. And um, I've been. That's kind of how we know. How I know you is through Twitter. I've been following you for a while. Back when you were Beta Punk and then Latter Day Punk, I've. I've I think I subscribed to your YouTube uh, channel, but love the music that you're doing. Um, Thank you. And, and, and uh, I've checked out your website too. And uh, I know you make all kinds of like shirts and stuff. And do you, where, where do you get your designs? Do you just come up with them? Does like your wife help out? Do you like solicit designs from like, you know, fans or something, or how do you come up with your uh, designs and, and stuff that you put on your website? Well, um, I'll, a lot of them, I, I, I will find older uh, woodcuts from from early Mormon, or sorry, LDS publications. I, I'm so used to the word Mormon now. I think we should use it. Like, Latter-day Saint, please. Latter-day Saint. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I think saints is a, is a better one because we're all saints, bro. It's true. Uh, it's true. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and and uh, I, I found a lot of old woodcuts and just they're just gorgeous. And so... I was thinking, well, I like a lot of the T-shirts from from uh, Blackcraft, uh, but they're all satanic crap. And I want to make something like that, but with a better message, but would also attract some of the people that are really into like the occult. And it worked. I converted two pagans, dude. So <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Good Whoa. for you, man. Doing the Lord's uh, work. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. And, um, the, you know, a lot of my friends are pagans or Satanists. And you know, I know that sounds really, you know, kind of iffy, but um, honestly, they love me and they enjoy my work. You know, they they can talk to me better than a lot of other people, and especially with religious discussion. And yeah, when, when it boils down to it all, it's, you know, it's just we're all brothers and sisters, you know, and uh, plus it. Another really interesting thing is like it, it's kind of a controversial topic, but uh, us saints we we're kind of ostracized or exiled from the mainstream Christian faiths, and they they look at us just like they look at the Satanists and just like they look at, at the pagans and all those other you know guys, and that's kind of how I get along with them, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 honestly, you know, um. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. I, I I get a little bit of brain fart sometimes. No, you're um, good. You're good. I mean, honestly, that's one thing that being on Twitter has has taught me is that there are people from all stripes, all walks of life in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I think there definitely is a need for I'll call it Latter Day Saint esoterica, at least exactly. the at, at least the aesthetic, because I think there are I think there is a 
I'll call it a market for that, whether it's a, a business market or a religious market. And there have been a lot of people that have had a, a, at least interest in the church or had their perspective changed from Twitter interactions that, that we have all collectively had, you know, our, our, our sphere on Twitter. And I think it's for the better. And that's, that's literally the counsel we're given by, you know, the, 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 the prophet, the member, member you know, the quorum of the 12 is to, you know, preach the gospel at all times, all places. And if necessary, use words, you know, exactly. Or t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Or six shirts and YouTube <laughs> videos, you know, or podcasts. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. So everyone listening to this, to this, uh, this, this podcast, talk to the missionaries. They can help you. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> sorry, yeah. ask, sorry. It's ask the missionaries, ask the missionaries. They can help you. So, well, that's awesome, man. So, okay, cool. Now, uh, I know that, so you suggested this song and the song we're discussing today is Wind of Change by the band Scorpions. And I will just point out right now, my entire life, I've always heard the Scorpions. I grew up in the eighties and the nineties. I've always heard of the Scorpions. I know a lot of their songs from just the radio and stuff. My entire life, I always thought the band's actual name was The Scorpions, and it wasn't until mm-hmm. researching this podcast that I discovered their name is actually just Scorpions, because The Scorpions is a British band that's not related to them at all, and they're not even famous, I don't think. And so we'll, uh, we'll keep calling them probably The Scorpions, but their actual official name is just Scorpions, and I had no clue before that. Uh, semantics. Or yeah, semantics, semantics doesn't matter, but... Uh, I learned something new, but anyway, so wind of change. I learned something new too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's wind, wind of change by uh, Scorpions, and the the song is one of the singles off of, like, according to what I was reading, the their eleventh album, which is called Crazy yeah. World, which came out in nineteen ninety. Yep. So the song was recorded in nineteen ninety, released in nineteen ninety, but it's about events that happened beforehand. So. Um, that's the song we're discussing, Wind of Change, Scorpions. So, Beta Punk, how, um, like, what is your personal history with this song, the band? Why'd you pick this song? Well, um, you know, growing up, you know, one tends to, you know, like a lot of the things their parents like. And uh, one of mine, of course, was the Scorpions, because at night, what my dad would do is we would sit and we would, draw on the couch at at night you know we would draw uh do our artwork and listen to the scorpions and sometimes techno i don't know why he likes tech why he liked techno but he got me onto it but but yeah we, we and he he explained to me a lot of a lot of the things uh about this song in particular but this song he said was a very special song and uh of course a- after all this he would read us uh stories from the book of mormon and uh, that was kind of our night, you know, and uh, this song in particular, though, he, he, he told me, you know, it's, it's pretty, it, it's about one of the greatest moments in history about change. And, um, you know, the, the more I grew up, the more I learned about it because, because he, you know, he didn't really tell me completely about it. Cause I've been listening to this song since I was a wee one, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and honestly, lately, um, a lot of a lot of the songs from from that time, you know, uh, including stuff like uh, "Forever Young," which is my favorite song from Alphaville, uh, all, all came from my father. And 
uh, he inspired my music, you know, and uh, a lot of my techno music is very similar to the stuff we used to listen to. And um, we would listen to this all the time, um, especially on, uh, you know, on, on cassette at, at uh, you know, on drives and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That actually reminds me a lot of my experience. My my dad was a huge Van Halen fan and we would. So very similar, very similar. So we would rock out to Van Halen all the time. But that that's a uh, that's awesome. We get a lot from our, our fathers, especially when they are aspirational and good men. Yeah, absolutely. So, Beta, I had a question. So at the time that you're talking about here, how old roughly were you when your dad started doing this? Like, were you like real, real young, like, you know, two, three years old, or were you a little bit older? Uh, ever since I was like, if, uh, I would say since I was about three or four, uh, but back then it was more, uh, you know, we listened to a lot of music. Um, uh, Tangerine Dream, we listened to Enya, a lot of Enya. Um, nice. I, I'm a huge the classics, Enya, Enya yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we listened to a Sail lot of away, bro. music. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and Clanad, that was another one. And uh, yeah, over the years, um, music from my father, my father given to me has helped me through the worst times. You know, I had uh, I had to stay at Primary Children's Hospital and, uh, when I was younger, around eight or nine. And, you know, if you guys know Utah, you know, you know, primary children's hospital. I just stayed there for like three months and wow, it was insane. And, and my dad, he's like, he gave me a huge stack of cassettes, including Kenny Loggins' return to uh, Pooh Corner, which is a guilty pleasure. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Return to, return to Pooh Corner. That's an old one. Yeah, um, it's a good one. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. Well, so, so, um, that that's really awesome. That's really inspiring. I know that like Scott was saying, I, I kind of grew up in a similar situation. My parents, my mom can play the piano um, and she can sing a little bit, but, but other than that, we weren't like a super musical family as far as performing music, but we grew up listening to a lot of music in my household too. Like my parents bought a CD player um, around the era that this song came out actually. Um, and it was like the first wow. CD player, like this, the big thing, you know, with like the big sound system. And I remember like my parents always playing CDs of like U2 and a lot of Queen. My mom's favorite band is Queen. And my oh, dad yes. would play, my yes. dad would play a lot of like the eighties, like rock stuff, you know, like some Led Zeppelin and some Leonard Skinner and, oh, um, yeah, bro. yeah, his favorite band of all time is bad company. Um, and then he, <laughs> and then he'd like, he'd tell me stories of like, dude, bro. I saw Leonard Skinner day on the green when before the plane crash, when what's his face died, what's his name? Ronnie Van Zant. Is that the guy's name? Anyway, they, I, they, you know how they had that yeah. cr the crash, you know? So my dad's like, I've seen them live back when it was original Leonard Skinner and they played Freebird, bro. Yeah, and I was like, that's sure. awesome. <laughs> back in the seventies. Awesome. Yeah. That is, so, that is sick. Yeah. So now, now when I hear like a lot of like, uh, like eighties, like just that, that sort of, boomer music i guess for lack of a better term it makes me think of my parents and sometimes there's certain songs where i'm like oh, i'm tired of freaking u2 because i grew up listening to it so much yeah but but it is nostalgic in a way um so that's awesome man so what about scorpions or or wind of change specifically do you have do you have a specific reason you picked that song or does it have some kind of special meaning to you or or, or walk us through that well, it, it did take me a little bit to kind of figure, kind of think of a song that both I, you know, completely hold 
to my heart, um, love and also um, would have something to do with history. And, you know, like I was trying to, I, you know, there's Rammstein songs I was thinking of and there was uh, a bunch of other kind of, you know, Forever Young was one of them. But I, then I thought Wind of Change, that is, that, that's perfect. You know, that is the anthem for the fall of communism in Europe. And, you know, it's, and, and then the unity between everyone and it, it's, it, that's perfect, you know, um, and it, it's also kind of obscure. It, it's, it's not, it's not a part of really the norm, uh, especially, you know, with music nowadays. Yeah, what I, what especially, I found... sorry, especially in, in America, it's not, it, it got really big, obviously in, in Europe, they're a German band mm-hmm. and ref, lots of references to, to Russia and stuff in the song. But um, yeah, so so it didn't get huge in America. I think I saw it got to number four, but it was like top of the charts for a long time all throughout mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah, that's that's what I was noticing too. Is the song? It's not quite obscure, but it's not the most well known song. It's not. It's not. It's not the Scorpions' biggest hit in America. Like Rocky, like a hurricane, definitely is. Mm-hmm. But everywhere outside the U.S., Wind of Change is like massive. Like it's like oh, the yeah. song still. Yeah, yeah, it's somewhat like I don't know who who named it this, but so they were saying is like the song of the century in like Germany or something like that. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, sorry, we cut you off there, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I it, the, the more you cut me off is the better, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I myself am not like a real history buff um, at all. But, you know, there's certain aspects of the songs that I know and I, I know what it means. And, uh, and and honestly, growing up, the lyrics were kind of hard to understand because of Klaus Meine's uh, uh accent and you you notice that with a lot of german bands how they pronounce certain words so i've i've freaking thought for the longest time that he said donkey kong instead of gorky park <laughs> I, you, you can't unhear it when you when, when you re-listen to it You're like donkey kong <laughs> yeah well and that's what's funny about if you listen to like any interviews like the guy speaks english klaus mine the singer but mm-hmm. the dude has the strongest like stereotypical german speaking english accent it's funny and mm-hmm. and i think it comes through because every song because that's what's weird is yes they're a german band but they have no german songs every song they've nope. ever written is only in english and i'll be honest when you suggested this song um i the first line which we'll get to in a second i thought he was saying something in german or french or something i had no idea until i pulled up the lyrics that he was actually saying something in english yep yeah exactly yeah. yeah, that's funny. And I, I want to say I, I'm I'm really glad you uh, you chose this song and and especially like this style of music, because for the most part, we've had mostly uh, like uh, what, what would you call it? Um, not music like this. It, it we, we did have one punk song, but we had, uh, we, had, we, had, we, had a, we had a punk song. We had a Celtic punk song. We had a Gordon Lightfoot song. Yeah. Um, and, it, then, and then and then like a Australian ballad about World War One. Yeah. Yeah. It's been uh <laughs> the the word is escaping me but uh yeah it's been mostly folk songs yeah um, and so true. having having like a, a metal song from the from the late 80s type it's it's a nice breath of fresh air and i also want to say this song while it's it is historical and it does speak of historical things it's it's kind of unique in that it it's less like a history lesson of a song and more of a like influenced history 
right? It like yeah, it's like an anthem. It's an anthem. Yeah, it, it, and it yeah. was there at the time, and so like you, you notice in the lyrics, there's not a lot to like glean historically. Um, like there's not like talking about specific things that happened in history, but it is evocative and there's lots of history around it and that it, that it's influenced. And so, yeah, it's kind of a, a fun little departure from the songs we've done so far. Yeah. And when yeah. you first, when you first suggested this song, I was like, wind of change. Now, I've heard, I know the scorpions. I, I don't know if I know this song. And so I went home and played it. And the moment that whistling starts like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, I've heard this song. I've, you know, it's like one of those songs that always comes on on the radio your whole life, but I never knew anything about it. So I, I it, it's, uh, we use this term a lot, but it's a, it's a bit of a deep track for the, uh, for the scorpions, at least in the U S so, but I think it cut oh, yeah. you off beta. Sorry. Oh um, yeah. Uh, uh, definitely. Um, it is more and more of a symbolic poetic song. Uh, about rather than an actual literal translation of things that are going on but you know each each lyric means something that was going on during the time and uh i I believe a lot of it started when when he actually did that thing in the uh, follow the muscat down to gorky park yeah i that i think he was actually sitting at gorky park and that's how he came up with the song um if yeah. i remember correctly yeah no we'll, we'll we'll get to that but um i think we've done a lot of, of a preamble on this are you guys cool if we start talking about the lyrics yeah yeah sure okay um beta since you're our guest of honor man do you want to just take the first verse i don't know if you need to take a minute to pull it up but you want to just just read the the that first verse to us and then we'll kind of pick it apart i already got it up so okay follow the moskva down to gorky park listening to the wind of change in August summer night soldiers passing by listening to the wind of change. But do you think the world is closing in? Do you ever think that we will be so close like brothers? I, I was hoping you'd do the whistle. <laughs> uh, Don't feel obligated oh. to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It is the um, only acceptable whistle in music. Okay. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. It has a haunting melody to it. Ooh. This one is, uh, it's, it's so the background on this song, and this will be very brief is you're exactly right. Beta, the, the band, the Scorpions, it's all a bunch of German guys at the time this was written though. They were West German. It's a country that doesn't exist anymore because Germany was reunited, but West German was like the Western democratic quote unquote free side of Germany. Whereas East Germany was essentially a Soviet puppet state um mm-hmm. and so the scorpions were from um from i think they're from hanover i think but they're from west germany and um they they had the the, the inspiration for this song klaus Meine, the singer and the guy that wrote this song he's not the guy that writes all the songs for the scorpions but he wrote this one for sure and he's the one singing and and, and whistling in this song um he said that he, he got the idea because in 19, um, in 1990, I, oh, I'm sorry, it was August of 89. So it was August of 89. There was this thing, this, this massive, almost like a Woodstock type of event or like a warp tour almost that was in yeah. the, the USSR. And it was called the Moscow Music Peace Festival. 
And um, basically what it was is there was this, this American guy that was the manager of all these like, quote unquote, heavy metal bands or hard rock bands. They were hard rock at the time, the Scorpions being one of them. And he put together basically like this festival to have all these bands perform in Moscow, in the Soviet Union in August of 89. And it was the first time that any type of music like that had ever been allowed in the Soviet Union, that any American bands had ever even been allowed anywhere near Moscow or perform in Moscow. Um, you know, they didn't play. Everything was was controlled by the Soviet state. And so any music had to be approved. It had to be censored. And so they didn't they didn't allow Western music because there was this whole cold war going on and the cold war wasn't just like a weapons thing it was also like a cold war of like culture right because the soviets thought that americans were all decadent immoral you know backward people and they wouldn't allow any of that into the soviet union so it's really momentous that this happened in 89 and the bands that performed at this concert this moscow music peace festival were motley Crue, ozzy osbourne the scorpions bon jovi you know um, this band called Cinderella, <laughs> but, uh, I, but, I know of Cinderella. Yeah. So it's a lot of like the classic, like eighties, like almost like, almost like hair metal bands almost, you know, and they all performed yeah. a set, they all performed a set over this two day period for this festival. And ostensibly that the festival was supposed to like support this nonprofit to keep kids off drugs and alcohol. That was literally like the purpose of it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that so that's what it was. And so during this two-day festival, the Scorpions performed. And um, I think it was like in between the two days of festival, the guys in the in the band, the Scorpions, and a couple other of the guys in like Motley Crue and, and I think Skid Row was there too. And uh, a couple of these guys in the band were basically doing a little bit of sightseeing. And they're they're going down the main river, which goes right through basically the center of Moscow, and it's called the Moskva River. It's actually where Moscow gets its name is the Moskva River because the word for Moscow, the city in Russian, is Moskva, just like the river, and uh, so that's where it gets its name. And so he he basically has this sort of epiphany as he's literally sailing down the Moskva River through Moscow during. Uh, you know, communist Russia time. And they stop in Gorky Park, which is also this big park in Moscow, um, huge park built in the 20s, named for it's it's basically the park is um Gorky Park is like this park dedicated to the arts of sorts, basically. And it's um it's dedicated to this guy named Maxim Gorky, who was a, a Soviet writer who was very, very pro-socialism, pro-communism, pro-Soviet Union. Um, and it's named in his honor, but it's built in the 20s. It's like this big, huge, it's almost like a Central Park kind of thing. You know, like, like our Central Park, wow. it's to them. So this massive park. And so that's, that's the whole idea is he's sailing down the river, going to this park with these other rockers as they're having this huge event where for the first time, Western culture is meeting Soviet Russia. And feeling this, this quote unquote wind of change. He's like, I, I get this, this, this vibe, but they call it, the kids nowadays would call it a vibe. We're getting this vibe that things are changing, yeah. right? Stuff is opening up. Um, and so when it says like an August summer night, it's referring to this show, which was in August as well. So do you guys have any thoughts on that? I don't mean a monologue there, but that's, that's basically what, um, what that first verse is talking about is him literally floating down the river, going to Gorky park after performing a show in, in Moscow 
uh, in the Soviet Union and being blown away that like thing because because things are things are opening back up. Nice. What well, one so. thing I guess uh, a little anecdote. I don't know how truthful this is, but I heard I read it somewhere that uh, the first thing he thought of was the the whistle melody was the whistle and then he and then came the song absolutely cool um should we keep going yeah so it says um the verse two is the world is closing in and did you ever think that we could be so close like brothers with a question mark the future's in the air i can feel it everywhere blowing with the wind of change and when it says so close like brothers i have a feeling he's probably talking about not just like Eastern Europe, like the Soviet Union, but his own country. Because remember, this is a West German guy. His country has been split in half after World War II, East and West Germany. So he still has the Berlin Wall. They still have the two countries where you can't really travel between the two of them. People would have families like separated, you know, one on the communist side, one on the Western side. And so this is a guy who's like talking about like literal countrymen and families who are split apart basically by communism. Um, yeah. You know, and, and and it feels like they're getting closer as communism is weakening and the Soviet Union is opening up, basically. Yeah, that yeah, that that sounds about spot on, man. And it's it's just so beautiful. Like, like when I listen to this song, you know, I I, I know it sounds cringe, but, you know, I, I get really emotional, you know, like the, the brothers part almost like puts me in tears because it's about reuniting with your brothers. You know, it's about all of us together, you know, and I know, you know, it sounds a bit cringe, but that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, and, and beta, I don't know how, how old you are and you don't have to tell me cause you know, for, you know, OPSEC reasons and Scott, you're probably old enough to remember, but I remember this time period. I was alive when this was happening. And I remember as a kid hearing about the Berlin wall and East and West Germany and then the cold war Soviet union, you know, and I remember my, I have a distinct memory of my mom telling me when I was a kid that there's this wall in Berlin. Now we're talking about East West Germany, not East West Berlin, but it still, it still fits, but that there was a wall going through the middle of the city and you could not cross that wall. Uh, they basically shoot you or put you in prison. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and I remember her telling me that there was sometimes families that had been separated like, cause the wall went up in the, in like the early sixties and it'd been up until the nineties and, um, and that there'd be like people separated. And I remember in my mind, like it, as a kid, it blew my mind. It's like, wait, so there's a wall to the whole city and you can't cross it. Like what, what like do people tried to cross it? You know, it just, it, I couldn't fathom. I, 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 you know, it's like funny that. you bring that up. Cause I remember thinking about it as well as a kid and thinking it uh, almost like it almost feels like like a Dr. Seuss book, like, Oh, a wall through the city. And there's two different kinds of people that hate each other. And, and <laughs> uh, anyway, Dr. Seuss is an interesting character to bring up here, but um, Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> we won't get into that, but it, that, that's just as a kid, that's what it made me think of was like, speaking of world war two propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh. That's, a, that's a different episode. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that. Yes. That, entirely. Entirely. <laughs> Yeah, but that that just that blew and that blew me away. And I what I kept thinking about too about this and what made it so moving for these guys. And, and you're right, Beta. In retrospect, it sounds kind of cringe and be like, dude, it's so corny. But to these guys, it was legit because you had to think about it. The Scorpions. I was I went through the I went through the archives. You know, the history and music, the Hemster archives, we call it. I went through the archives here, and Klaus Mina 
like, do you guys know how old he is? Do you know how old the band is? Yeah, the, I, uh, the band it dates back to like the uh, mid seventies. Yeah, I I didn't know that. I always thought they were like an eighties band, but they actually started in like the sixties, and they were doing like Beatles yeah. covers and stuff, and then they kind of did some heavy metal stuff, and they kind of moved it, kind of they kind of found their groove later in like the seventies, eighties, and nineties. But every member of the band is in their early to mid seventies. So Klaus yeah. Meine, the singer, as of right now today, he's seventy four years old. The only reason I say that is not because they're old or anything like that, but because they grew up post-World War II. Every member of the band grew up in West Germany, and they did not know a unified Germany. All they knew was communist Russia, communist East, East Germany, the Berlin Wall. That is the only world they knew for their whole lives and for part of their parents' lives as well. And so... For this to happen, for like communism to start weakening its its grasp on, you know, for the Iron Curtain to start going down and for Germany to be reunited, this was something they had not seen in their entire lives and, and probably would have never imagined their wildest dreams could ever possibly happen in their lifetime. Yeah. I was just going to say it kind of uh, brings, uh, makes that line a little more punchy when he says, uh, did you ever think that we could be this, this close or be so close like brothers? Because like you said, it's like, growing up away like it's yeah there's not there it's not like they're returning to something that that they knew this is it's like a brand new thing for them to yeah to yeah have a unified this and it's like yeah exactly who, who who would ever think that we should be so close you know but yet we're so far apart and it's you know we're divided and you know i mean it's lessons we can take nowadays you know and but but yeah, I'm actually learning a lot more through you guys, and I appreciate that. Anyway, um, I just had a, another brain fart. Sorry, guys. That's right, That's Scott. Fine. Since 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 you're waxing waxing poetic there, Scott, do you want to do the the chorus? Then this is the first time we hear the chorus in the song. Yeah, take me to the magic of the moment on a glory night, where the children of tomorrow dream away in the wind of change. Walking down the street, distant memories are buried in the past forever. And then he goes on a little bit more about repeats about Mo- Moskva Park and Gorky yeah. or Moskva and Gorky. Park. I follow the Moskva and down to Gorky Park, listening to the wind to change again. He keeps coming back to that. Yep. Yeah, and, and I mean it's it's definitely a hopeful song, right? This idea of talking about like the children, like they can dream of a better future without communism, with a you know more understanding in their country and stuff. Yeah, and, and I think even the tone of the song alludes to like a a peaceful resolution or a revolution from out of communism and uh i don't think anyone at the time thought that that it would be a peaceful re- resolution right it, it 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 seemed like it was it was boiling up to be something violent i think this is uh, like the song is prompting and and trying to portray that it c- it can be peaceful it can be something uh positive a positive change in a yeah. uh, non-violent way. Yeah, and and honestly, if you look through the whole song, there's no hatred towards anyone or any any ideology. It's just talking about coming together, mm-hmm. um, uniting something that was once whole. You know, and it, it's pretty much. I don't know. I I I kind of lost myself there. That's all right. Um, well, and, and the, what's interesting is, is if, if I just finished, well, I'll, I'll share this um, in a minute, but 
the 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 way that this this was all set up in the first place the communist revolution was not bloodless it was very violent it was very bad very dark many people died and so for them to think that that could all be erased without that same sort of violence is basically a miracle you know Absolute for them to for, for them for them to even dream of such a thing you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and uh it, it you know it's definitely a, it's definitely a song that should be listened to by everyone and uh i you know i'm not saying that to like you know kiss its butt but it's it's definitely something people don't look at anymore Uh, all they look at is division and and that's the sad part of okay we're back that was we had some technical difficulties um unforeseen nothing we could have done about it um but we're back. I thought it was a word from our sponsor wasn't it a word from our sponsor oh yeah yeah that was the audible commercial oh, yeah. right is that what it yeah, was you, yeah you guys are you, you guys are sponsored by ksl right oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah, <we're> so- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we had that we had the the trip knocking on our door but we <laughs> i actually wouldn't have them sponsor us no um no. so KSL we're taught terrible yeah yeah well they're good they're good for their like uh classified stuff um oh, yeah. they're trying to find you know buy some used stuff but so we were talking lyrics. Uh, we just had Scott read the chorus about this idea of, you know, where the children of tomorrow dream away and the wind of change. Um, and then the, it, it basically sings that twice, that chorus twice. And then um, there's, they call it in, in music, they call it a bridge, but it's almost like a, its own verse before a key change or something in the song happens. And the bridge, after this chorus is sung twice, says the wind of change blows straight into the face of time, like a storm wind that will ring the freedom bell for peace of mind. Let your balalaika sing what my guitar wants to say. Now, I think, I think that has some depth to it that I'm not even oh, sure yeah. I understand. Um, it's interesting that this German guy is using very American speech. The storm will ring the freedom bell, 120% American phrase, right? Let freedom mm-hmm. ring, that kind of thing. But um, the, the one thing I'm going to point out on this one, and I'll, I'll pass it to you guys, is where he says, let your balalaika sing what my guitar wants to say. I had heard what a balalaika was, but I didn't really know. And so I, I looked it up, you know, and uh, talked to my music guy. And a balalaika is a traditional russian instrument it's based like a russian mm-hmm. guitar but the way that they that they have it is it only has three strings and the the body of the guitar it, it's it's fretted so it has frets like a guitar it only has three strings and the body of the guitar is like a big wood triangle thing and it's used for a lot of traditional russian song and dance is what it is balalaika is the word so yeah and and he's like speaking to the russians pretty much saying you know let you let my song flow into you and you know we sing together kind of something to that that extent that's kind of what i get out of it you know we have our different instruments but you know like i'm playing this message to you as you know a gift of friendship you know play along with me pretty much yeah it's a very it's a very good lyric i think and it's one that kind of gets lost in the in the song when you're listening to it 
uh, reading through the lyrics, it, it hit me more than when I was just listening to the to the song. Um, that that whole what what you were just talking about the the uh, it's like giving them the song and the, letting them play what he wants to play. They 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 can play on theirs. Anyway. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's almost like a bridging of the cultures and language. Right. So it's like, Hey, I'm playing, mm-hmm. I'm saying stuff with my guitar. You can say the same with your traditional Russian instrument. Right. So it's, it's like the language would be different, but, we're, but the message is the same. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think you're right, Scott. Sometimes it gets lost in the song because immediately after he sings, this is like the face melting guitar solo. And oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, which is like usually everyone's favorite part of the song, but he, that's the last line he sings before that part. So you're right. It does kind of get forgotten about because of that. Yeah. And like, dude, dude, to like phrasing. Shank, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I think it was Michael Shanker that did that guitar solo, but I could be wrong. I know he was with the Scorpions for a little bit. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Beta, because Klaus Meiner, the singer, he's he plays guitar, but he's like rhythm guitar. He's not the lead guitarist. And so the other guy is... um. I forgot his name. They're, they're all 100% German. They all have very German names. It's another German dude in the band um, that does the guitar yeah. solo, but super good guitar solo. And then when it, when it comes back, the song, basically they sing the chorus, the, the guitar solo happens and then they, they sing the chorus two more times. And then they have like this sort of just outro guitar riff and then the whistling again and the song ends, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of has this sort of, uh, I don't, maybe not ominous is the right word, I do this a lot where I say the wrong word of what I'm thinking um, on the podcast, but I, I would say more haunting, you know, it kind of has that haunting oh, yeah. sort of feeling that, that, that whistle that he has with the guitar playing and uh, just really, really well done. Yeah. And, and well, I think I, 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 I interrupted him again. Oh my gosh. No, dude, you're fine. I, I want to I, I, I hear your thoughts. <laughs> You're in third chair, bro. So we, I, we, Scott and I hear each other all the time. Yeah. Mainly everyone hears me, but we definitely want to hear what you have to say. For we sure. defer, we defer to you for sure. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, personally, uh, I see the, the, the whistling, the haunting. I interpret that as the actual wind of change. The whistling is the wind. And the, the eeriness of it is the fact that it's changed and, there, there's a lot of you know that there's a lot of anxiety in that there's a lot of you know people a lot of people aren't ready for change but it, it, it's it, it feel it also feels very harmonious or harmonious and uh and and soft and and pleasant you know to kind of make people not fear it not fear change and that's kind of how i interpret it Right. And it I, I totally agree. And I think if you like go into the the mindset of the songwriter at the time that they were writing the song, this wasn't resolved, right? And so the, it's it's part hopeful, um, like just like the, the tone or the vibe you'd say from the from the song is like it's like a exhortation or something. It's like something that they're they're in the middle of it. And so it's not like it's this history lesson where they can like wrap up the song and say, All right, now it's done and and it happened and we can celebrate it's more like all right now now it needs to happen or it's hopefully where it's but but it's still up in the air that's kind of my uh where my mind went when because i kind of had the same feeling where it is kind of haunting i don't know if that's the right word like you said but it, it does evoke something and i think uh maybe it's a mix of things 
there's probably a word for it in the dictionary of obscure sorrows. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read that. That's no, no, I haven't heard of that. Is that a real thing? Oh yeah, look it up. There's a lot of amazing words that this guy created for words that there aren't words for. Oh, interesting. Well, I'd say there's probably a like a 14 syllable German word for it. Well, and that's oh, one. Yeah. Thing, that's one thing. That's one thing you learn when you when you learn a foreign language is that sometimes there's certain words in other languages they just don't have an English word for. Mm-hmm. Like speaking of German, they have the word gemütlich, which it, it basically translates to something like cozy but it's not quite cozy but that's the word in german you know and like in in, in portuguese um one of the one of the words that is, is untranslatable is saudade which is almost like melancholy but it's it's specifically referring to an emotion you feel when you miss something from your past like a person or a place you've been it's like basically like nostalgic i'm nostalgic for the house I lived in when I was five. I have saudades of my house when I was five. And it's like this very specific emotion that they have a word for that we just don't have a word for. So you're probably right. There may be a word for that in German or Russian. <laughs> there is now. There, yeah. There is. I, the, the, the book I just mentioned, it's called Canopsia. Okay. It, yeah. It, it, they talk a lot about it in like liminal spaces videos. I, I, I'm into that kind of weird web stuff. <laughs> but yeah, canopsia it pretty pretty much means what you what you're what you're just saying like belonging for nostalgia, and there's kind of not like a word for it. But yeah, it's I believe it's called canopsia, and hmm. uh, yeah, uh, that's a it's an awesome book. I, I suggest you guys check it out. I think there's a PDF somewhere online of it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I've never that's that's a new one for me. Maybe we'll link that in the show notes too for people want yeah, to. We'll get an Amazon uh, affiliate link in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so so we've gone through all the lyrics. What's interesting about this song is some folks consider this song to be one of the driving like this song along with this concert they did in the late '80s to be like one of the driving forces to kind of put the nail in the coffin of the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the ending of the Soviet Union, because this mm-hmm. song came out, he recorded it in 1990 and the album came out in November of 1990 and the Soviet Union basically collapsed and became Russia in the end of December of 91. So basically a year later is, is when the Soviet Union ended. So basically the Scorpions brought down the Soviet Union mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at. Amen to that. <laughs> this so song that, alone, I, just I, I this will, song. I will accept no other history but that. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, my truth. Yeah, change my mind. <laughs> and what's what's uh, what's interesting about it is, um, like th- this. The winds of change he's talking about is a real thing. Like a lot of politicians in this area were using that term winds of change or wind of change in a lot of their political speeches. Like in preparation for this episode, I was remembering something that I had read about the the, the former British Empire leaving Africa and all their all their former African colonies, you know, like South Africa, Rhodesia, stuff like that. And the, the prime minister of the time, whose name escapes me, in like 1960, was basically saying, there's this wind of change blowing through the continent. You can't stop it. And what he was talking about is this wave of like nationalism and people wanting to like control their own destiny. And so like South Africans for the South Africans, 
you know, like Rhodesia becoming Zimbabwe for the Zimbabweans rather than having it be, oh, a colony of the British Empire that's controlled by the white man, you know? And I wonder if it's the same sort of, um, the same sort of mentality or the same sort of sentiment here is this idea of there's, there's change blowing in the air. It's going all across the world, like regimes, evil regimes, quote unquote, evil regimes are falling and freedom is, is being brought to all these places. Cause what we can't forget is the reason why it's called the Soviet union. Part of it is because a Soviet is like a group of, it's like, it's basically the form of government they use. It's basically a group of communist groups come together to make decisions for the country but the soviet union was basically this massive eastern european country that included not only what is the modern day russia but like 20 other countries like belarus and ukraine armenia azerbaijan lithuania estonia georgia latvia it was like 20 other countries that were all part of the soviet union as like this big block like you're just the soviet union or a puppet state of the soviet union and all these people in all these countries, like, you know, Latvians don't want to be Russian. They want to be Latvian. Lithuanians want to be Lithuanian. They want to speak Lithuanian, not Russian, you know? And, and exactly. it's, 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 that, it's that wind of change, right? Where these people are like, you know what? I kind of want to do my own thing. I'm kind of tired of the whole communism Russian thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I want to make money of... off of Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of waiting I'm in sorry, line I'm for just... everything, you know? So I don't know it's 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 interesting, and uh, I guess this was all this all came to a close. December twenty sixth of ninety one is when Gorbachev yep. basically stepped down. I think it was Gorbachev. They they lowered the Soviet like hammer and sickle red flag and raised the Russian tricolor, and that was like symbolic, like ended the Soviet Union, and like oh basically overnight, all these countries became their own country. You know, Russia became yeah. Russia, Belarus became Belarus. You know, all these countries had their own sort of, their, their, sort of their, their freedom, so to speak, after basically a hundred years of, you know, Soviet oppression. And it was mostly bloodless, which is which is a miracle. There were a handful of people that died in like various coup attempts and stuff, but no war. You know, there's no massive revolution where they're like hanging people in the streets and murdering the czar and his family. You know, none of that kind of stuff. Um, so it really was a miracle that it was, it was quite literally just a wind of change. Like this, this sentiment just kind of swept over the people and this hundred year old oppressive evil regime came crashing down overnight almost. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's beautiful to, to see that put into song form symbolically, you know, not like a exact retelling. And I believe if you watch the, like the original music video, there's actually clips of like the wall being torn down. There's clips of Reagan saying Gorbachev, tear down your wall. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it makes my wife cry. She can't watch that video. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, it's it, it's just a, a really beautiful thing. And I, you know, it, it, it I, I kind of need I, I kind of think Europe needs a, a little bit more of that, you know, since all the crazy stuff that's been going on recently. Yeah, I was I was just looking it up. The Moscow Music Peace Festival, the, the 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 show that it sort of inspired this song and kind of was sort of, you know, opening up the Eastern Europe to the West. That was in August 12th and 13th of 89. The Berlin Wall came down in November of 89. So literally, like, <laughs> was that three, four months later that it came down? Yeah. So that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Now, 
the other thing that he's talking about here is this was a time of change in the Soviet Union, and it was by choice as well, because Gorbachev, like the, the prime minister or whatever, I forget what the term is for their leader in, 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 at this time, but he was trying to open the Soviet Union um, because they had they were having this like huge stagnation in the economy and shortages of food and fuel and all kinds of stuff, long lines for things. And so um, he uh, he kind of instituted, instituted these policies of perestroika and glasnost. Perestroika is like restructuring. Glasnost means openness. And so the idea was, is okay. well, let, let's work within the Soviet system, but let's incorporate some more like Western ideas to kind of kickstart the economy going again and give people a little more freedom and have them have give the people a little more control over the means of production and, and, and um, you know, the, the money they make and the jobs they have and that kind of thing. And it was during this turmoil, this time period that they had this concert at the same time. And this song was written. Yeah. And I think it's uh, I think this is a good lesson in how much culture can push politics. And uh, I mean, it, obviously this song, it, it's kind of a little bit tongue in cheek saying the song did like cause the, or it was like the final nail or whatever, but it, it, it did have an effect. And I think that th- this music festival you're talking about had an effect to an extent. And I think, and uh, to what extent, I'm not sure, but it did. Um, and so I think that's why it's important to, um, to participate in culture, um, to help shape culture um, in a way that you that that you believe because it it's important and it 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 does uh push how do you how do you say it inspires people, it inspires that's it it inspires people and i think the song had inspired quite a few people yeah and after i was when i was researching this i learned that they they recorded the song in english and they wrote it in english but they later went back at the request of the Russians. They later went back and re-recorded the song in Russian so that the Russian people would know what they were hearing when they heard that song played. They also recorded a version in Spanish later, I think, for some reason. But yeah. supposedly, I don't know if this is like an urban legend or not, but but I, I had I had read that once they once they recorded the song in Russian, and it's the same lyrics, just translated to Russian. But once they recorded it in Russian, they they actually met Gorbachev and played it for him in Russian, and it brought him to tears oh, because of because what? yeah because of like just what it like it was just so moving. Dang man, that is amazing. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, but, yeah I, th- that's another reason why I came on because I was like maybe these two guys can can could give me a little bit more info on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? S- Speaking of. Um, Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev, he just died August 30th of this year. Yeah, shoot, man. That yeah, I re- I remember that. I didn't I don't remember hearing about that, but I was like, I mean, he's kind of a he's kind of a big part of what we're talking about now because he was the leader of the Soviet Union and he's the one kind of allowed this whole thing to happen. Um, but yeah, he just barely passed exactly. away like two months ago. So that's crazy. But um anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, beta. I don't remember what I was saying. Uh, right. Though I do recommend watching the Gorbachev Pizza Hut commercial because it's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a relic of the '80s, right? <laughs> it is a relic of the '80s. Yeah, like the uh, the first McDonald's built in Moscow. Uh, the first day, there was a line of five hundred thousand people. Oh my goodness! 
Dude, for a yeah. Big Mac? For a Big Mac. <laughs> 500,000? They were they were stoked for McDonald's and and um I, well I, I don't know if it's still true today but you know uh, up to at least recently it it's the most busy McDonald's in the entire world the Moscow McDonald's wow. that's crazy that's crazy yeah, and, that's like that's like when In and Out when In and Out came to Utah there's lines <laughs> but there when, wasn't five hundred thousand when In and Out goes anywhere they open one in in like San Antonio and the line is like down the block you know oh yeah. so it, it, it's it the the the, the drive through here uh, uh i will say that i live in reno nevada or sparks nevada oh okay. um yeah uh, the the drive through line is is crazy there all the time you know so we always have to go in and uh i hate going in to in and out <laughs> but yeah. uh you know my, my my buddy Ryan, he he's a he's also a member. Uh, he's actually one of the people that inspired me to really get back into the faith and uh, you know help strengthen my testimony. Uh, he has all this like weird, strange, obscure knowledge of Russia, and uh, he, yeah, he told me about the whole Pepsi thing, how how they they brought Pepsi to the U.S. or to the Soviet Russia by trading vodka for it, you know. Yeah, well, they they had to trade military vehicles for it. So for like a very short time, Pepsi had like the twentieth largest military in the world because of all these exactly. surplus vehicles they got from Russia in exchange to sell Pepsi. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, they freaking love Pepsi. Like, yeah, didn't Gorbachev or whatever drink it? And he's like, or no, it was it was one of the Russian guys. He he drank it. And he's like, I want a lot of this. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, Russia is a very unique place and it's very even though it's part of Europe, like it's still a very much like an eastern kind of mm-hmm. like the cult the culture everything about Russia is very different. Like the the language, the culture, the people, it's a very it's a very unique place with very unique identities like across the whole expanse of the place, but well and there's multiple cultures, multiple types of people. Like you think about it, it's a it's a big place. Uh, oh yeah. Just like just like America, there's like going to New Orleans compared to Seattle is a different country almost. Yeah. Or yeah. going Utah compared to anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we both, we, Scott and I both live in Utah though. So we, we get it. Um, yeah. Um, so I, uh, I don't want to keep rambling about anything, but um, do you guys have any like parting or final thoughts? I have one schizo take on this um, that Scott already okay. knows about, but do you guys have any, any like last things you want to like, say about the song the lyrics anything else uh he can go first <laughs> no I, I don't i don't have anything to add we uh i think we covered everything kind of winding down a little bit so I, i'm i'm interested in this uh schizo take <laughs> uh i i'm I, i'm pretty sure we covered this perfectly I, I, in fact we covered it better than i thought we than i thought we would i mean yeah and you know i learn a lot more you know and and and, and that's the importance of it you know i know what the song means in you know but to learn more about it, uh, especially, you know, history of the band and, and, you know, how they came up with it is just beautiful. But to me, you know, yeah, it's a bit cringe, but it's a masterpiece. I mean, it's an absolute masterpiece and it symbolizes the fall of communism in Europe. And that's, you know, it, it, I would, I would label this as based, quite based. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
or at least a white pill. It's definitely white pill for sure. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. And um, yeah. Well, and and to add what you're saying, like this isn't just like a really good song, like one of their hits. This was, and Scott was saying it earlier. This is one of the best-selling singles of all time of any band, and it is mm-hmm. it is it is the best-selling single of any German artist in history. So this this outside the U.S., this song is massive. In the U.S., it's still pretty dang big. So this song definitely has made some waves in the world and inspired some people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad you guys are giving it more of a platform. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it ended up being a perfect idea for, for you guys. Hey, no, we, wait, you, we give the credit to you, man. Cause you're the one that suggested the song, man. So thanks be to you. Yep. Yeah. No problem, man. So here's you guys ready for my, for my, my schizo take. This is, this is, oh, this, my, is this is, this I'm is, this is, I'm stoked, dude. Okay. So this is tin hat schizo stuff. So we had already, you guys both know, but the audience doesn't know. We had planned to do this song like two weeks ago, <clears throat> like two weeks ago. And so I've been listening to it and like kind of researching about, you know, the band and Soviet Union, the collapse of Soviet Union, this concert they played, all these things. And literally last night at like 1.32 a.m., I get a text from Matt, who was on a previous episode with us, the El Mazote episode. So Matt, formerly of the band Set Your Goals, now the band Near Dark, it's a callback for you. Um, he texted me out of the blue. We had not been talking about this. And he texted me, he goes, dude, have you heard about this? And he sent me a link to a podcast about this song. And the podcast oh. is called Wind of Change. <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and so I listened to the podcast I listened to it most of today and it's a free podcast on Spotify. I'll link it in the show notes. It's called wind of change. And, um, and this guy basically did this research based on a conspiracy theory about the scorpions and specifically this song. And the conspiracy theory is, is that this song was written by the CIA and it was specifically given to the, to the, to the scorpions to play and have circulate in Russia to bring down the collapse of the Soviet Union. It's absolutely wild. Wow. And so the podcast is, is like, take. yeah. So the, so the, the, the podcast is like an eight episode thing. Each one's like 40 minutes long. Um, but he presents a, a somewhat credible case that it's not, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for this to have been a CIA psyop. To have this, to have this song be a psyop against the Soviet Union, to like basically bring it down with just like the power of rock, basically. Um, and I'm listening to it, and it was blowing my mind. And the, yeah. So I'm not going to get too far into it because we're we're running out of time here. But listen to the podcast because I'm listening to it. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, their manager used to be a dude that sold cocaine. And then he got arrested and he got off on a plea deal, served no jail time, and instead was asked by the government to use his ties to the music industry to play concerts for people. And he organized this whole thing himself because all these bands he managed, like it's just all these like really weird coincidences where it's like, huh, because the, the, the reason I'll finish with this. The reason why this guy started the podcast about this conspiracy theory is because the conspiracy theory originated in the CIA. 
He had a friend in the CIA who was told by an older CIA guy that the CIA straight up wrote this song and gave it to the, to the Scorpions to play, to, to help bring down the Soviet Union. That, that's an interesting theory. I mean, my grandfather was in the CIA, and uh, I wish I could have asked him about it. He's been dead since 98. But uh, have you seen, I, uh, Sean, have you seen the interview with uh, the, what's his face, the the singer of the, the writer of the song? He, someone brought it up, the conspiracy theory to him. Oh, really? Yeah. And because... Uh, and he, he, I mean, he basically just denied it and said he laughed about it. But um, because because the guy that did the 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 podcast about it interviewed him. Yeah, what well, he talked he talked about it because it's it's very much like James Bond stuff. Like this is still Cold War era Soviet Union. So they're mm-hmm. traveling around and they have people from the government like with their entourage at all times, you know, acting as an interpreter or whatever, but you know that they're spying on them. But the, but the the bands also had a guy with them that was like an interpreter, but he would like disappear for a few days at a time and then come back and be like, dude, where'd you go? Oh, I had to meet up with some people. And it's like, okay, you're probably like a CIA plant who's like here to spy on the Russians, <laughs> you know, which that'd be common anywhere, you know, because just because of the of the, the time period but it, it's just <laughs> i i that blew my mind because i had never heard like something that crazy and like this song of all things so anyways go go home and listen to it because at the very least it's good for a laugh yeah and it's not to denigrate a, a great song but not at um because i don't think it necessarily takes away from the song but uh because it did what it was supposed to do Oh, for me, I thought it was funny. That was my whole thing. It was like, dude, come on. Like the CIA wrote this. <laughs> Do they have like a yeah, songwriting department? How does that work? So the way, the way I kind of see that, I was like, don't get me wrong. Like that, I, I, uh, I, I wouldn't put it past them to, to kind of inf- infiltrate the band. But like the, the way the lyrics are written are very similar to how Klaus writes a lot of his ballads. Uh, very symbolic. But, uh, but yeah um you know if he had help by by some glow in the dark i i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> awesome well hey we're we're uh getting real short on time here so beta punk uh thanks for coming on man love the song if you have any more songs you want to suggest in the future we'll we'll definitely have you back on real quick though in the last few minutes that we've got where can the folks at home find you follow you is there anything you'd like to plug you know, for your business, music, anything, just the floor is yours, man. Uh, yeah. Um, so on Instagram, I don't really use it because, uh, well, okay. My Instagram is Latter-day Punk, but with a V, you know, PVNK. I, 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 that's my signature, I guess. My uh, Twitter, of course, is Latter-day Punk uh, with, with the PVNK. Um, my YouTube channel is Beta Punk or Beta Punk Music. And I don't think it has a V. I haven't. But uh, regardless, if you if you just type in beta punk music or just latter day punk on on Google, you'll you'll find my stuff. Cool, and we'll we'll, we'll link it in the show notes for sure, so people can find you. Um, awesome. Yeah. So although I, I'm I'm good on my parting thoughts, but uh, beta punk Scott, any any parting thoughts for you guys on anything else? Well, uh, you're probably gonna get a few listeners uh, from my side of the fence because. Uh, but like even my like super, you know, like 
my, my super artistic friends, you know, they, they love me um, and I love them. And, you know, they they are interested in the history of music and uh, or, or music that has to do with history. So you might get a few listeners when, when, when this episode airs. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Tell them to come on the show, man. Bring them on. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. For sure. Cool. Scott, any, any last words? I kind of cut you off there. No, um, just just thank you, uh, Beta Punk, for for coming on, for suggesting a great song. Um, like I said, it's like a it's it's a, a a different direction that we've taken in the past with songs. And so it's been really awesome. I really like like the the song is inserted into history instead of a retrospective on history. Right. Um, exactly. But yeah, thank you very much. And um, I think we'll we'll pl- have the song play us out. So uh, until next time, um, I guess we got to do our plugs first. Do, uh, you can hit up Sean or I. If you want to be on the podcast, hit us up. Um, like and subscribe. Do all those things. It helps us out. Give us ratings. Watch our YouTube. Yeah, we have it on YouTube as well. I'll, 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 I'll sub as soon as we're done. Nice. Please I'm, do. I'm, I'm not going to be one of those guys that says they'll say they, they'll sub, but <laughs> and and not do it like all my friends do. <laughs> uh, what is um, your YouTube, by the way? History and music. It's uh, history it's, and music. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. Well, well. I mean, we for every episode we'll tweet it out. You can we tweet out all the links to the different places you can do it. So yeah, it's on it's on every podcast platform that there is more or less, and it's also on YouTube. Just the audio. Um, and then we also have an email. If anyone wants to email us like a song to do or wants to come on the show, it's historyinmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but like I said, we're on we're on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, YouTube, however you find us, we're we're cool with. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, man. Well, this has been a great night. Um, you know, we had a wonderful conversation, and uh I would like to be back on one of these days and I definitely have a list of music. I probably have a playlist of this kind of stuff. So. Awesome. That's Beautiful. good to hear. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and have the uh, the song play us out. All right. Here it goes. Right, stay, stay peculiar, brothers. <laughs> yes, sir.
The wind of change blows straight Into the face of time Like a storm wind Then we ring the freedom bell For peace of mind Play in your mother like I sing What my The money and the women. Sorry about that, noob mistake. <laughs>